Blog Talk Radio. This is a post time with Mike and Mike production. Wavelet, Jiglet, what a race! Always be Mickey on the outside. Always be Mickey. They're off and it is on. And betting line has taken the lead. Two, two, boom! You're tuned in to Harness Racing's fastest 90 minutes post-time with Mike and Mike, with co-host Mike Carter. Believe in the spirit? Do you believe in miracles? And Mike Bozen. Smoking Gun, Shaman Hall, production Smoking Gun is flying. Here comes Smoking Gun. I don't know! Oh, yeah. That just happened! That just happened! that dial it's thursday afternoon at one o'clock and that means only one thing post time with mike and mike presented by bet america mike carter alongside of mike bozich and mike were fresh off a successful tuesday evening show where uh we had a great time talking about our good friend uh sam mckee and it's our second show of three this week we uh, we've got a busy week ahead of us Yes, and uh, we'd like to thank everybody that uh, helped contribute to the Sam McKee Show, all the guests, all the family members, all the fans that left messages. It was truly, truly uh, a very inspirational show, and uh, Sam McKee, we understand, is doing pretty well. So our prayers, uh, continued prayers, go out to Sam McKee and his family as he continues to recover. By the way, that's on our archive uh, at posttimewithmikeandmike.com. You could also listen to it at betamerica.com slash barn if you missed it. Yeah, definitely, Mike. Uh, all of our archive shows are actually on uh, Bet America's website at betamerica.com backslash barn. Well, Mike, we got a, a very interesting show. It's kind of a different show for us uh, here on Post Time with Mike. And Mike, as we talk to some of the candidates running for USTA positions, and Mike, we've got two of them running for vice chairman, including Alan Levitt and Steve Oldford. Those guys are uh, good friends of yours, right? Yeah, I know Steve Oldford uh, quite well. Steve Oldford's the USTA District uh, 2 director, and he's running for vice chairman as well. Alan Levitt's going to be joining the program. He is the USTA chairman, District 6 at large, and he is also the president and general manager of Walnut Hall out of Kentucky, and he is running for that uh, spot as well. Don Marion may or may not join us. He is the third uh, runner for or the uh, third candidate for the vice chairman's seat. Uh, running, and I believe uh, that was uh, a spot that was vacated by Russell Williams. But Don Marion is the chairman of USTA District 9. He is the current director of the Maine Harness Horsemen's Association, and he is also uh, a real politician, Mike. He's in the uh, Maine House of Representatives, so that's the reason why he's uh, basically a 50-50 coin flip as far as him joining us. So uh, we'll see if uh, Don can make it. Plus, Mike, the uh, two candidates – for the chairman of the board, and Ivan Axelrod has had that spot for quite a while, and he is up for re-election. He's going to be joining the program. He's also a District 3 chairman. He's been with the USTA and as a director since 1988. And uh, his challenger, Gabe Wand, will be first up. He's going to be joining us in just a moment from Wisconsin. Gabe Wand is the chairman of District 4. He's running for that seat, longtime horseman uh, from the state of Wisconsin, Mike. So it's going to be a very interesting show. 
a lot of people think maybe it's kind of the undercard of the big debate that we have coming up next Thursday at 7.30. And, Mike, we've got a lot of feedback from the debate. We're finalizing the format, finalizing the questions. It is not too late to send us your questions. Email us if you would like us to ask a question of uh, one of the candidates, one of the five candidates running for the USTA presidency. The email is mike at posttime with mikeandmike.com. We also have many directors' questions as well. Some 60-odd directors will actually be voting. And Mike, we get a lot of questions about if you're a racing fan or if you're a horseman or if you're not a director, how can you be involved in the presidential election for the USTA? Well, it's very simple. You have a director. I mean, if you're living in the United States, you have a director. So call them, email them, make your feelings known about your choice for the presidency or even uh, your feelings on what maybe some of the important issues are. So you can get involved even though you're not directly voting, Mike. Yeah, definitely. Uh, We'll hear from Mike Tanner a little bit later in the program who will explain how that all works and how the voting process works for the USDA presidential uh, election. And, uh, you know, Mike, uh, Ivan Axelrod, who is uh, the vice chairman, is currently kind of keeping the seat warm, uh, so to speak, uh, as he took over on January 1st until the uh, to the election. That's right. Running for chairman of the board, it's Gabe Wand. He's the challenger to Ivan Axelrod, and he's going to be joining us first up on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Hey, I'm Chantel Sutherland Cruz, and want to tell you all about BetAmerica.com. It's the coolest place to bet on horse racing on over 200 racetracks from America and around the world. New players receive a 100% bonus on your first deposit, up to $300. That's the best sign-up bonus available today. It's time to play the Bet America way. Consider who we are. According to the 2010 Equine Census, we are 28,340 people with 81,000 horses on 16,040 properties that comprise 587,000 acres. Our assets are $5.6 billion. Our direct operating expenses are $363 million. And our economic impact has never been accurately measured, but is in the billions. We are every breed and every discipline in the horse world, and we are the place where many of those disciplines began in these United States. We are the Maryland Horse Council. For more information, visit mdhorsecouncil.org. That's mdhorsecouncil.org. Five men. Together, we will reinvent harness racing. Whoa, this is going to revolutionize everything. One place. Why settle for less when you can settle for more? I think I can bring uh, the most uh, to the table for the USDA as their president. It's a great organization, and uh, I'd really like to, to give it my all. One goal, to make harness racing. Harness racing. Harness racing. Great again. Catch the first-ever USDA presidential debate Thursday, February 16th at 7.30 at posttime with MikeAndMike.com or on demand on the Pet America Radio Network. 
here on Post Time with Mike and Mike. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich, and we're joined now by Gabe Wand. And Gabe, uh, you're running for one of the USTA positions. Uh, talk to us a little bit about how you got started, and for those of you, us who uh, aren't familiar with you, uh, a little bit about your background. Sure. Um, I'm a second-generation horseman. Um, I've been in the business about 25 years uh, from the time I first you know, sat in the jog cart. Um, and it's been downhill ever since then for me. Um, pretty much done it all. You know, I've, I've been a breeder, owner, trainer, driver, uh, more so, you know, on the county fair level. Um, we do the paramedical racing here, you know, when Illinois was in its hot day. You know, Prairie Meadows, we raced there, running aces, um, sitting over here in District 4. So that's basically how I, you know, how I got started. My dad's been in it, you know, for 50 years, um, and I just took it from there. Um, I took a little bit more political political aspect of it um, here in Wisconsin, I'm in my 17th year as a as a director of the Wisconsin Harness Horse Association, and in my 14th year as sitting as their president. So um, it's been kind of a whirlwind career, and um, one that, that I'm very happy with, and hoping that we can expand on. Gabe, Mike Bozich here. You're up in Wisconsin, and you're uh, kind of surrounded. Uh, well, with the exception of uh, Minnesota, but kind of surrounded by states that uh, haven't had the luxury of expanded gaming. Illinois and Michigan, obviously, uh, the two biggest ones around you. What do you believe and what would what do you think uh, the USTA's role could be in assisting states and assisting these harness racing programs that may not have the luxury of expanded gaming? Uh, you know, there's there's really a lot the USA can do. You know, a lot of times we get we get cornered into just focusing on you know on slot states and what we can do on a national level. But I really think that we need to narrow it down by district. There's a lot of districts out there, for example, like District Four that have very little expanded gaming. You know, Illinois has zero. District Five, uh, you, you mentioned Michigan, but we need to kind of start on the grassroots level. There's a lot we can do. Ownership seminars, um, you know, marketing. Try and work with the local groups that each state has and try and, if nothing else, teach them, you know, how to do their marketing program, how to get their, their fans in the seats, how to get, get owners into the business, uh, et cetera. It's the fractional things going over here. We did it here in Wisconsin on a short, uh, real small scale. I think we had 10 or 12 people on a bucket list and, and those guys, you know, turned to be fans for life. So I think we need to focus a little bit, not just on the, on the big picture, but you know, these small, these small states with, with associations, they've got the people, They've got the desire to do it. A lot of them just need a little guidance. And I think that's where the USDA can come and step in. They're able to take what all the districts have done in the past and almost give them, I don't want to say a manual, but, you know, a little bit of guidance. You know, this is what works in this state. This is what works in this state. What can, what can we do to help you? Visiting uh, visiting Gabe Wan, the chairman of the USTA District 4, also a longtime horseman uh, running for the uh, seat of chairman of the board for the United States Trotting Association. Gabe, reading over your platform, you stated that this election may be, uh, in the series of elections, I should say, in the USTA, may be the most pivotal in the history of the USTA. Uh, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, we're, the industry is really at a turning point. You know, we have... Um, declining numbers all across the board from horses to, to membership. Um, we haven't had any change in our leadership, um, you know, really in 28 years. We had two presidents. Uh, we've had a chairman for 10. Not saying that either one of them did, did any, you know, ill will or bad job. But, you know, the, the time for change is now, and, and it's going to focus and be able to change how things are going forward. And that's what we need to focus on, because if we don't bring in new ideas, uh, people that are willing to, to make some changes and, and look at things as a whole uh, a little bit more as a business. Um, that's pretty much where we're going to be at. You know, we need to be able to be proactive instead of re- retroactive, which USDA has kind of always been. 
Um, and that's just kind of where we need to need to go going forward. Right now, you know, we get the USDA gets a lot of heat, a lot of um, you know, I want to say bad press, but we're we're always called upon to do. We're not doing enough. We're not doing more. Um, so I think we need some leadership that's going to engage our membership, listen to them, find out what we what can we do, what's working for them, what do they want to see, and then be able to justify it and not just throw money around. Looking at you know if somebody's making a big stink on one side, let's throw some money at a you know at a, an event or a study or anything like that. Um, we need to have some kind of metrics to be able to measure that, and that in turn getting everything involved might maybe help us out a little bit in our public perception to be able to um, get more of our members on board and wanted them to participate a little bit more. Now, Gabe, under your uh, director accountability on your uh, part of the website on the USTA, um, you talked about a little bit about uh, you've heard from some that maybe 60 directors is too much and that uh, you wanted to challenge each director to become more involved and hold all directors accountable. How can we do that? And, uh, you know, I know there's been a lot of criticism, like on the last day of the uh, USTA meetings, you know, some of the directors kind of headed out before some pivotal votes. Uh, How do you think we can challenge the directors to be more involved? Um, you know, one thing is simple. The, the first thing that I did a couple of years ago was I challenged, um, you know, all the, the roll calls to be, you know, printed in hoofbeats so people can see it. That helped a little bit because I even had directors come up to me and say, well, now I guess I got to stay. You know, we need to be able to make them more accountable by showing these are their votes. These are where this is where they attended this meeting. Um, they attended that meeting. And I mean, to be honest with you, it was an embarrassment. One of my very first years that we did live streaming we almost didn't even have enough to have a, have a quorum on the last day because people were, were checking out early, and that's just, um, you know, obviously unacceptable. So we need to find a way. Um, you know, we've got some ideas. You know, we, I even floated around, you know, a reimbursement program that you get reimbursed after you've gone to your meetings. Um, it's had some opposition. Obviously, it's, it's just a thought at this point. But it's that kind of stuff. You know, we need to hold them accountable, and if they're not going to, then, um, you know, then they need, they need to, to be – I don't want to say voted out, but their membership needs to say, hey, you know what? These guys that are going to going to Vegas or going to Columbus are not not doing what, what we asked them to do. You know, maybe I will run against them. So, um, you know, it's got to be a stepping stone with, with complete transparency and being able to let the membership know exactly how they're being represented. Gabe, one final question before we let you go. In uh, 45 seconds or less, why should uh, the USDA directors uh, pull your lever come uh, late February? Well, I, I don't have a, a catchy title like, like Jason Settlemore does, but um, you know, I'm a young, energetic guy. I've, you know, I, I've got the background. I've, I've been on the board seven years. I'm chairman of District Four. You know, I've got the experience from the ground level up. Um, we have got no parameter racing here in Wisconsin, so everything we've earned here, we've earned with blood, sweat, and tears. So that's what I plan to give forth to the USTA and see what we can do to make it better and, and get the directors on all on the same page, and then work on getting the membership involved as well. Gabe, best of luck. We certainly appreciate you joining us, sir. Yep, thank you very much. I appreciate it, guys. Take care. All right, that was Gabe Wand. Uh, he's up for election uh, in the uh, USDA chairman of the board uh, coming up. He's also the chairman of uh, USDA District 4 out in Wisconsin. And uh, we've got much more to come on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike. Standing in the on-deck circle is his opponent, the current chairman of the board, Ivan Axelrod. He's up for re-election, and we'll hear from him next on Post Time with Mike and Mike. Presented by Bet America. Racing returns to the Downs at Mohegan Sun Pocono on Saturday, March 18th. 
Opening night post time is 6.30 p.m. with a chance to win up to $100 in live racing vouchers. Grab your program, drop the attached registration coupon in the box of the clubhouse lobby, and winning names will be announced after races 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 10. Racing continues in March on the 21st, 25th, 26th, and 28th. Get the full schedule at MoheganSunPocono.com. Get ready for another record-breaking season at the Downs. Here at The Stable, our mission is to provide fair market for owners of yearlings while giving investors the most informative way to purchase all of or part of a horse. The Stable will cater to all budgets by having an open fractional buying market and a flat rate billing system. At The Stable, we aim to minimize the risk in buying and maximize the benefit of selling. Visit thestable.ca or give Anthony McDonald a call at 519-400-4263. That's 519-400-4263. It's thestable.ca. The New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program places retired racehorses into approved monitored homes and transitions them into second careers. New Vocations has placed over 350 retired standard breads the past three years. They are now accepting horses from all racetracks in the United States. New Vocations has facilities in Ohio, Kentucky, and Pennsylvania and is expanding to New York. To learn more, visit newvocations.org and on Facebook at New Vocations racehorse adoption program on post time with Mike and Mike, Mike Carter, alongside of Mike Bozich. And we're joined now by the current chairman of the board and uh, kind of keeping the seat warm for the USTA president, Ivan Axelrod. And Ivan, first, welcome to the show. And uh, talk to us a little bit about uh, who you are. And for those of us uh, who may not know who you are, uh, how you got in the business. Um, all right. Well, uh, good afternoon, guys. And, and thanks for giving me this opportunity. Um, it now seems like a long time ago I got involved in the business, but uh, Primarily, it actually happened with uh, Governor Ronald Reagan um, when he legalized night harness racing in California to generate some more income for the state, and that allowed me to go to college um, in the daytime and go to the races at night. And um, after I did that for a long time, uh, I bought my first horse in 1981, and uh, for the last 35 years have uh, done many things within the industry uh, as far as uh, owning uh, breeding horses for about 12 years in uh, in Ojai, California, and uh, got involved in uh, probably 25 years ago now with the board because one of my clients at the time said, I'm going to retire from this. You need to take over for me, and, and I started down that path. So uh, between having a short stint uh, in the operations of a racetrack out in California and the breeding and the racing, um, certainly on a small level, um, I'm you know in, in love with it and uh, have taken a, a larger and larger role uh, in the industry and in, in clearly now with the United States Trotting Association uh, in helping us achieve our goals. I'm Axelrod Mike, 
was here, uh, you've been a USDA since uh, the late 80s, and uh, here in 2016, we're about to have a, a pretty important change of the guard. One of five uh, guys will take over as a USDA pr- uh, president coming up at the uh, end of February. What priorities, Ivan, would you like to see the president set during their first few months in office? <laughs> um, well, that's a, I, I think it's getting a handle on where we are, and, and certainly uh, the, uh, some of the, the individuals running who have been part of the organization understand um, more as to what we do at the USTA, what our charter is, what our bylaws say, uh, and and coming up with what it is. In my view, the most difficult thing is getting us to cooperate uh, within jurisdictions for the USTA as a whole. We have some very successful racing jurisdictions and states, um, and I don't, I, I don't look to take their money, but I look to take their cooperation, because there's things that we can do much better as a group than individually, and so it's it's trying to get us more on the same page and recognize each of our strengths and weaknesses and how we can take advantage of that. I, I find that the biggest uh, issue going forward. Certainly understanding what we do day to day, which is servicing our members, that's what the president needs to know because that, that's our charter. Uh, it's been expanded over the years from a, a registry of, of all of our um, standard breads, but we've been asked over time to take a much greater role. Unfortunately, we don't have the financial wherewithal to take a significant leadership role. Um, we, we, you know, we have roughly $8 million of revenue, uh, and that money is spent primarily in supporting the industry and all the various services. But those are the, the two key areas I would look at uh, and to get them educated, and, and that's a big part of what I'd like to do. There's a transition, and we haven't had this kind of interest, I don't know, since I've been with the board. So I think it's great that we have these individuals challenging each other to say, we, you know, how do we do it differently? How do we move forward? And uh, and I'm proud of the guys that have stepped up. Reading your uh, bio and your platform a little bit, Ivan, I think you bring up a good point, uh, and that's one of the questions uh, a couple of months ago when we had uh, – back then there were three candidates for uh, the presidency of the USTA. But we have so many different – uh, factions in the sport of harness racing. I mean, you have horsemen, you have breeders, uh, you have owners, you have track management, just so many different factions uh, that obviously it's very tough to get all these people on the same page. And I know you alluded to that uh, in your platform. What do you, do you have any ideas on maybe how we can get And Believe me, a lot of times it's tough to get them in the same room, let alone try to get them on the same page. Do you have any ideas how maybe we can get the people uh, cooperating more in our sport? You know, unfortunately, I, I think the, the way you do that is, so to speak, with a drug addict. You have to hit bottom, and I think we're we're close to there, where, where people will recognize that we can't do it alone. Um, at, at some point, we will lose more racetracks. Uh, you lose more racetracks, you lose more foals. Uh, you lose more opportunity to attract fans because you're racing in different places. So, you know where that bottom is. You know, I don't know, but certainly many people have said we're, we're getting close to it, and I think it's the recognition that we're in this together, and um, 
and that's what I'm hoping for. I mean, we have had some meetings, summits, where we brought everyone together. But, uh, you know, I, I headed a couple of them, and, and it's it's brutal at times to see the lack of, of co- not so much cooperation, but the people with the haves are saying, look, I'm okay. Uh, and the ones that have nots are saying, I need some help. So I, I'm hoping that, again, each year we make a little more progress. But you're right, there's a lot of issues, and I read some comments you know, from the gamblers. They said, well, I read all these uh, platforms for the people running for president. If they didn't mention the word gambler, I'm not voting for them. So everyone has their own interest, and it's, it's, it is quite difficult and a, and a huge challenge for us to – bring more and more of that together but that is that is the job now that's so to speak been assigned to the USDA and uh, we have to work as hard as we can to, to make some of that happen now, Ivan you you brought up a pretty good point uh, just now when you were talking about you know some of the fans saying if they didn't mention gambler uh, they wouldn't get the support from that person um, you, you know there, there seems to be kind of a disconnect uh, but maybe between racetracks and gamblers uh, do you see that disconnect at all and how can we um, how can we kind of bring those gamblers and racetracks together to kind of work together I think that you know the big challenge as I look at it as time goes on and and my my column and hoofbeats uh, this month uh, talked about it it's we've got to put a product out on the, the racetrack that people want and 30 40 years ago as I was in this industry I loved it uh and I like everything about it some things I don't but most everything and when we have the new 20 30 year olds they have so much more opportunities, gambling and, and other activities that are entertainment and sports related. And I don't think we've been able to move our industry fast enough to take advantage of that. And so we're, we're climbing up a hill, but we have a lot of competition out there that we didn't have years ago. Um, and how we get that together is, is sitting down. But you know, the, the difficulty in, in so many areas when we talk about the gambling side and the ownership side with the casinos, and, and I was a proponent initially that said, let's convert these casino players to horse players. Then as I got deeper into it, um, I found that when somebody bets a dollar on a slot machine, more of that dollar goes into the purses for the horses than if they bet a dollar at the racetrack. I said, well, then I can understand how the casino is not in favor of expanding the betting because they're going to make less money. So we have all these things that have to fit together, and it's it's a huge challenge. You know, it it needs to put 30 people in a room and say we're not leaving until we figure out some things that we can do to balance each other out, and uh, and that's a that's that's an obstacle, but that's a great challenge for us. Uh, pull your trigger coming up. Uh, pull your lever, I should say. Hey, Mike, I don't mean to interrupt you, but uh, you had yourself on mute. So uh, go ahead and restart <laughs> yeah. your question. Yeah. I, I actually, that. I was just practicing the question. Like, I, let me repeat that question. <laughs> uh, 45 seconds uh, or less, my friend. Uh, why should uh, the directors uh, pull your lever uh, come the end of February? Well, I think there's a couple of reasons. One is, um, while having a, a, a long 
time in this position, I have learned a great deal. I think we're, we are going through certainly a pivotal time. I think it's important to have a, a positive transition. We're going to have a new president, a new vice chairman, um, and there's a lot going on. I know what's there. Uh, I can be helpful in the transition. I don't plan on being in this position for many more years. Maybe this is the last because I, I've given it my all. I want to continue to do that. Um, but I think I can help greatly in this transition and continue to move us forward and with my work on the finance board as well. Ivan, we appreciate it, and uh, good luck on the end of February, my friend. I thank you both. I appreciate the, the opportunity today. All right, that was Ivan Axelrod. He is the uh, current, chair, current chairman of the board. And I'll tell you what, Mike, what an alarming fact that Ivan brought up about that dollar. I just can't get that out of my mind as soon as he said it. A dollar in a slot machine is actually going more to the purses than a dollar wagered on our own sport. Yeah, you know, That's it's all- interesting. Yeah, well, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but, uh, you know, it's interesting, you know, me and you, we talk off the air, you know, using Facebook chat. And that was one of the things I think I said to you uh, was, whoa, that's a uh, that's an interesting, interesting fact. That hits home. Well, we've got uh, plenty left to come on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America a little bit later on in the program. It is our ongoing series about uh, Harness Racing's Winter Capital. We've got Gabe Pruitt. He's our weekly guest, and he'll be joining us in just a couple of minutes. Uh, plus, Don Marion may or may not be joining us, depending if he can get out of uh, some of his uh, uh, political meetings at about 1.45. We know Steve Oldford will be joining us, uh, and he's up for uh, candidacy for the vice chairman of the board, as well as our next guest, Alan Levitt, the USTA chairman, District 6 at large. He's also president and general manager of Walnut Hall in Kentucky, and he's in the on-deck circle. You've got Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Hello, this is Kayla Stra, and I'm here to tell you all about BetAmerica.com. It is the fastest-growing legal, safe, and secure website to place all your bets on horse racing. Bet America covers over 200 racetracks from North America, the UK, and my home country, Australia. New players to Bet America receive a 100% bonus on your first deposit up to $300. That's the best sign-up bonus available today. It's time to play the Bet America way. Embroidery Unlimited is a premier provider of quality embroidery, screen printing, and promotional products. Our commitment to quality and pride in our work is second to none. We focus on quality and customer service. For all of your stable or business needs, Embroidery Unlimited is the number one provider in harness racing. Give Jim Winsky a call at 508-485-5522. That's 508-485-5522. Or visit them on the internet at EmbroideryUNL.com. That's EmbroideryUNL.com. Embroidery Unlimited. Post time with Mike and Mike, Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich, and we're joined now by one of the ca- candidates for vice chairman in Alan Levitt. And Alan, uh, first we want to welcome you to uh, to our program today. Thank you for having me. 
Uh, Alan, uh, talk to us a little bit about uh, who you are for those of us who uh, who may not know uh, who you are or how you got started in the business. Right. First, let me interject something. Um, he is my opponent, but I have great respect for him. You're mispronouncing Don Marine's name. I figured it was Marine. I couldn't figure out if it was Marion or Marine, and I'm actually going to blame this on my wife, Alan, because I asked her, and she said it was Marion. <laughs> Uh, as far as my background is concerned, I grew up in Hanover, Pennsylvania, and uh, my parents had a small stable of uh, show horses, saddle horses, and I rode them and showed them. And uh, as I got older, I realized that older meaning uh, – well, the 8th, ninth, 10th grades of school that although I, I would have loved to have been a saddle horse trainer, I, I, after a little heavy urging from my parents, I realized that that was not a way you could earn a living. So I got interested in standard breads, and I was very, very fortunate uh, to be taken under Lawrence Shepard's wing Mr. Shepard was the president, owner of the Hanover Shoe Farms, and one of the all-time great figures in harness racing. And it was I, I got all kinds of benefits from his friendship. Uh, it, uh, it opened a lot of doors for me because just having been seen walking around with Mr. Shepard uh, opened some doors for me. And I also got to spend long hours talking to him about, well, he talked and I listened. And I came to absorb his philosophies about breeding horses and about operating a breeding farm. And that gave me a leg up. And from then on, uh, I started uh, out on my own buying a, a few mares here and there. And then Mr. Shepard asked me to come see him one day in his office, and he said, you need a pacing. You need a stallion. I have a horse that I'll sell you reasonably. His name is Solicitor. And um, I knew Solicitor's history. They bought him for $125,000 at the dispersal of the Reynolds horses at Harrisburg. And two minutes after they bought Solicitor for 125, they bought Tar Heel for 100. Tar Heel had gone on by then to be a great stallion. Solicitor, not so much. He said, "I'll sell you the horse for twenty five thousand dollars, five thousand a year, interest free." And then he added, "Now there's one unknown factor with this horse. We had been standing him in Ohio, but." This year, we brought him back to Hanover, and so he was exposed to a much better class of mare than he had been before. What neither he nor I or anybody else could could imagine was that from that crop of mares, that crop of foals, from the mares that were bred at Hanover, came a horse called Overtrick. And Overtrick was the champion at two, he was the champion at three, he was a champion free-for-aller, and suddenly I was sitting there with a horse in solicitor who had gone from being nobody to being the sire of 
a very a, a top horse. And that got me going. And then I scrabbled my way along leasing stallions and became a syndicator. And that has been that and racing horses has been my life ever since. Alan, look, uh, Mike that, Bozich here. Looking over your uh, looking over your uh, platform on the USTA. Um, by the way, you can find all the candidates' platforms uh, on the USTA website. Very, very informative. Um, but Alan, I'm going to take a wild guess by reading that over and say that if uh, you're elected, you're going to be very active in cracking down on uh, performance uh, enhancing drugs in our sport. Now, with all the different state regulations, uh, what? What can the USTA do more effectively to work with these different states in trying to crack down on the, some of these performance enhances? Unfortunately, it can do very very little. The commissions are each uh, a law unto themselves. I spent eight years on the Kentucky Racing Commission, so I've got some first-hand experience, and I was the chairman of the, the RCI Standard Bread Committee, where I also got some <laughs> some experience uh the usta really can do next to nothing it has the the commissions uh have supremacy in each of their jurisdictions and it's it's an area the usda has no influence in and there's really uh very little that it it can do unfortunately but true so that's not the answer you wanted to hear, but but I think that is the answer to your question. Visiting with Alan Levitt. Alan is uh, up for election, uh, the vice chairman of the board in the USTA. Alan, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, the whipping rule. And uh, once again, we're dealing with uh, a lot of states uh, on different pages. I mean, you can go to one state. Uh, and uh, it's one rule. You can go to another state. It's another rule. There's no whipping in some states. There's uh, You can do what you want in some other states. Uh, what do you believe the USTA can do in trying to implement some kind of universal whipping rule? And you personally, what would you like to see the whipping rule actually be? Well, wait a second. I've I've had some direct experience there. While I was on the Kentucky Racing Commission, with the approval an endorsement of all 18 directors of the Kentucky Harness Horsemen's Association, we put into effect a rule banning one-handed whipping. And it's become the template for some other jurisdictions that have done the same thing, Indiana and Ohio especially. Um, and the rule said you must keep, it says you must keep both hands in both handholds throughout the race and you must keep both hands in front of your body. Now, that whipping is going to become a very hot subject because, as I'm sure everybody knows, all whips have been banned in Australia. And it is only going to be a matter of a short time before PETA and co. come looking at us. They've been here before, um, they said a few things, and then they got distracted. That They were dealing with us at the same time they were snooping on Asmussen, the thoroughbred trainer, but they haven't forgotten us. A, ban, a, a, a total ban on whips is a terrible thing for racing. Uh, they have it, they've had it that way in Norway for a number of years, 
and it's uh, it's it's a charade to watch. The drivers will tie a knot in the end of their lines, and they'll use it to beat the horse with the knot. Um, and there's also a lot of hypocrisy. Those Norwegian horses see plenty of whips. They, they I'm sure they see plenty of whips on race day before they're out on the track, and uh, the, they probably see whips when they're training as well. So it's a hypocritical and terrible situation. We, I think the USTA, oh, by the way, um, when we did it in Kentucky, when it was done in Ohio, when it was done in Indiana, it did not lower the betting one penny. The horses, the betters bet just as much, if not more, on the one that races that banned one-handed whipping. The horses went just as fast. They took new records. There were no problems. It was it, it was totally good in every respect. And I, a few years ago, came to the USTA with the rule proposal that we should endorse a ban on one-handed whipping. Um, it got nowhere. Uh, it is a subject that we're going to have to come back to, and we're going to have to come back to it soon, because if we don't take a stand here, do something, uh, somebody else is going to come along and do something for us. And what they're going to do is uh, they're going to take away whips altogether, and we, that would be uh, that would that would be a dreadful thing. Alan, in 45 seconds or uh, less. Why should uh, the USDA directors pull your lever come the end of February? I think because uh, one of the things I want to do is uh, lower the charges that are made on the breeders and the owners who are the essential elements of harness racing. Whenever I raise this question, I'm told we have to charge them a lot to pay for other activities. Horse, the breeders and the owners are the essential element that they should not be overtaxed to pay for non-essential activities. Um, That's that's my basic thing. As a classic example, it costs $175 to register a foal before the 1st of January after it's foaled. After the 1st of January, it costs $475, which is onerous. I mean, it's a punitive charge, and um, it's done simply because they could, the, the breeders have not had a, a loud enough voice until now, and they can get away with it. But if you're, if you're having trouble paying the stud fee, there's no reason that the registration fee should be tripled to, to make your burden um, e- even um, more onerous. So those are those are things that I, whether whether I'm elected or not, I'm going to to um, be active about. But if I am the vice chairman, it'll give me a better uh, place from which to influence these things that need to be changed. Good stuff, Alan. Very good points. We certainly appreciate you joining us. Uh, good luck come late February, my friend. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
All right, that was Alan Lebedee, the USTA Chairman, District 6, St. Lawrence, and he is seeking the seat of Vice Chairman of the United States Trotting Association. Well, we're going to take a little bit of a uh, break from the political talk. We've got our man Gabe Pruitt on deck. It's our uh, ongoing series about uh, Pompano Park. Plus, we've got Steve Oldford, who is also seeking the seat of the uh, Vice Chairman of the USTA, and he's going to be joining us towards the top of the hour. Uh, Don Marine uh, is currently fulfilling some obligations up in his political seat in Maine, so he will not be able to join us. But for his platform, you could uh, log on to the website, ustrotting.com. Gabe Pruitt's on deck. You've got Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. The Downs at Mohegan Sun Pocono Stables open on March 1st. Reserve your stalls now in their secure gated area, complete with living quarters, laundry facilities, on-site farriers, tech shop, and veterinary clinics. Located just minutes away from major interstates and the Pennsylvania Turnpike, the stable area offers a superior training track comparable to the legendary racing surface. Reserve your stalls now at the discounted 2017 rates by calling Luann Reynolds at 570-831-2125 or access online at mohegansunpocono.com. Five men. Together, we will reinvent harness racing. Whoa, this is going to revolutionize everything. One place. Why settle for less when you can settle for more? I think I can bring uh, the most uh, to the table for the USDA as their president. It's a great organization, and uh, I'd really like to, to give it my all. One goal, to make harness racing. Harness racing. Harness racing. Great again. Catch the first-ever USDA presidential debate Thursday, February 16th at 7.30 at posttime with MikeAndMike.com or on demand on the Pet America Radio Network. And Max Daddy Blue Chip unwinding up on the far outside here is Max Daddy Blue Chip who is unleashed late. The opinions of our next guests may not necessarily reflect those of post time with Mike and Mike. Listener discretion is advised. Pinocchio is going best of all in deep stretch. It's Pinocchio to win. Back to back for Pinocchio. Alexis Jackpot finished second. Lions Johnny was third. 148 and three. That is the fastest mile in the history of Papado Park. Fake news is not so much organized disinformation, more anything the media says. Organization. Give us a chance to ask a question, sir. Go ahead. Sir, can Quiet. you say, Mr. President-elect, go ahead. Can you say categorically, Mr. President-elect, can you give us a question? Don't be rude. Can you give us a question? Don't be rude. No, I'm not going to give you a question. I'm not going to give you a question. Can you say categorically? You are fake news. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. To... <laughs> All right. That uh, was a great that, opening you... right there. That was totally uh, a curveball for me. Well, listen, you are not fake news, my friends. Hashtag send it in. It's our good buddy, Gabe Pruitt, and it's our Pompano Park segment. Uh, Gabe, welcome into the show. I think we needed a little bit of of uh, a break from the liberty, a lot of uh, political discussion today. So I think we all needed a little bit of a timeout. You know, I've heard that. Some good ideas have been uh, mentioned and discussed. Hopefully, uh, you know, we can uh, move some things forward. Sounds like we have uh, some good candidates in place. But, uh, yeah, I'm sure a lot of people have, have got to uh, 
There's some interesting stuff. We've got a lot of great stuff happening against South Florida. I may need uh, an entire program for all the information that I have today, guys, because we have had a, an unbelievable week. Um, of course, we took off Sunday night uh, for the uh, Super Bowl, but we've had a great wager big action throughout the rest of the week. We actually had a track record set here on Monday night, Diamond Dagger, trotted the fastest mile ever for a trotting mare. She trotted 53-2. and two. So for a female trotter, that's a brand-new track record. So that was uh, really nice to see. The uh, jackpot high five has been crazy this week, guys. Monday night, of course, we know you have to have the one unique ticket to win the entire uh, jackpot uh, pool. Monday night, there were two tickets out. It came the favorite over the third choice, and on only two tickets, so remarkable there. So it narrowly escaped Monday night. Then you fast forward into Tuesday night. Uh, three tickets were out, so it was close once more. Last night, guys, this is incredible. The 6-5 to five favorite won the last race of the night with George DePontato Jr. the bike. No tickets out of the high five. The 8-5 to five second choice was fourth. There were some long shots uh, sprinkled in. And, again, if you had had the one ticket, it would have been worth over $63,000 last night. But no 20-cent tickets uh, were out, so that carryover moves forward down to Saturday night at, again, in excess of $63,000. Listen, you're waving all this money in my face. I might have to come down there and uh, steal some of it. But but uh, you, you guys have had a pretty uh, pretty strong week uh, as far as horses go. I know you were, were kind of short there for a little bit, but this week was uh, was good for you guys considering uh, there was no racing on Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, really uh, spiced up the action the other nights, uh, Mike. Uh, we got us some uh, full fields. Last night was a phenomenal card. Uh, the uh, Philly Mare Open, we had six. Otherwise, I think we were 9-10 pretty much uh, the entire night. Made for uh, great pulls, great wager action. In fact, uh, we had a couple of uh, carryovers last night. Uh, not only the high five where there were no winning tickets, but uh, the pick five was missed last night, 6,600 and change. So that's into uh, Saturday night's uh, carryover. We guaranteed that pool $20,000. Of course, we've got free uh, PPs available at ustrotting.com. The pick six starting to inch back up again. It's up to uh, 4,500 and change into uh, Saturday night. The pick four was hit last night, guys, but a nice payout. Well done if you had it. 4100 and change for $0.50. Cents. Uh, and it was a big week for some of our Twitter followers. We had uh, Kyle take down the pick five on Tuesday night, guys. He spent $64, and he got back 6500 That's a pretty nice investment. Now, let's talk a little bit about a trotter that raced on a Tuesday, Gabe, in Rockenstein. Peter Rend is the driving for trainer Melanie Wren. He or trotted a fantastic mile. He came first up at the three-quarter pole and uh, just got up by a length and a half, winning in 53-1. and one. That's a pretty impressive trotting mile down there. Yes, it was. The uh, track record here, 52-2. and two. Went to the north, uh, established that mark last season. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that was a very big mile. Rockenstein, a, a fresh purchase uh, for the Wrens. Uh, Bobby Brower trained this guy as a youngster, but he's a son of Valley Victor. Nice horse, and uh, he has two wins and a close second. Now, on three starts uh, with us. Interesting about that race, Mike. Uh, Rockenstein uh, was the favorite there, took over the lead. The Florida bred Prairie Fortune who actually had taken uh, about six weeks off prior to that start, was really starting to motor on the outside. It was going to be a very tight finish between those two. Prairie Fortune jumped it off stride about mid-stretch, so it looks like we could have a, a good rivalry brewing heading forward. And the sleeper horse, uh, who I do like, uh, even at the open level when he's right, is uh, the horse that was second there, so handsome. He's only made like 40000 and change. Rick Plano is the owner-trainer. 
a driver and even breeder of uh, So Handsome. And uh, this is a horse that uh, won a couple of the lesser events heading into uh, last Tuesday night's Open. But he was a very good second. He was beaten less than a length there by a Rockenstein, the horse you mentioned. I think this is a horse that has a very bright future. All right, Gabe. Well, what else is coming up at the South Florida track? I know uh, you guys have a lot of exciting uh, pools. You guys have a lot of exciting, of exciting races, and you know the Super High Five, which couldn't be uh, couldn't be stopped from being hit a couple weeks ago, is kind of uh, narrowly escaped uh, the last couple of days. Well, it's incredible. It was just, uh, as you said, a couple of weeks ago, we were on the program talking about it was hit like once every three nights on average for the last three or four weeks. So it was just been, uh, it was hit with regular authority. But uh, again, lately, uh, not the case, even though it's just uh, narrowly gotten through. It's just remarkable. You know, we've seen jackpot wagers, guys. I'm sure you have as well. At some of the larger tracks that handle big money, I mean, you can get three twenty to ones finish one, two, three, and you almost can never get the only ticket. It's just too difficult. So it's amazing that we had uh, a 6-5 to five favorite win the last race last night, again, with the Palatado on the bike and no winning tickets out whatsoever. That's just incredible. But, again, uh, the things to look forward to, guys, we're back to five nine per week schedule, Saturday through uh, Wednesday over the next uh, five weeks through mid-March. Of course, we've got the big carryovers into Saturday night with the pick five sixty six hundred and change. That starts with the first race, so take note of that. Sunday night, guys, how about this? We've got uh, a big heavyweight bout uh, between a couple of Pacers, how about Pinocchio, who's won 10 of 11 here at uh, Pompano Park this season, and he is our track record holder with that uh, glorious introduction. You probably just heard that, and uh, he is taking on McWicked, who has uh, had a couple of lackluster seasons, but he's qualified twice here at Pompano Park for Trader Jim McDonald, and he has looked sensational. Dave Miller, the driver of the year last season, is coming in Sunday night to a drive McWicked. So what about McWicked and Dave Miller versus Pinocchio and Wally Hennessy on Sunday? All right, that'll be fantastic. Give a good stretch call because well, we might have to uh, play it when you get your new open. We're going to give you a new open every week, Gabe, by the way. So, you know, uh, just be aware of that. But, Gabe, uh, on a serious note, you mentioned, I think, a pretty good point as far as a gambling strategy is concerned. When you're firing into these uh, jackpot wagers into pools that aren't, and not that they're not big, but pools that aren't, you know, way, way up there. It could affect your gambling strategy, and it should affect your gambling strategy. Am I right? When you're putting these well, there's, there's no question about it, Mike. In fact, my gambling strategy is, uh, you know, if you're playing at a track that handles a phenomenal amount of money in that pool, it's almost uh, very difficult to even justify playing it because it's so hard to have the, the unique ticket. Now, in our case here in South Florida, we routinely bet every night, even when the carryover gets way up there, we routinely bet uh, less than $10,000 in that pool. In fact, uh, last night, even with $55,000 carryover, they bet uh, like ninety. 600 and change in there uh so it's not high enough to where you cannot have that unique ticket that's the great thing about it um again like i said a favor win last night uh, and if anyone had been able to put that sequence together they would have uh, netted over sixty-three thousand dollars. so i really think that um instead of playing it so from a standpoint if it has to come something impossible almost for you to have the only ticket you know really you handicap uh, what you like maybe you do spread out uh, a bit but uh, it is very possible to have the only ticket here uh, on monday night uh, as i mentioned the favorite won the race the third choice was second and there were only two tickets out so it narrowly escaped monday as well all right, Gabe, or uh, Mr. Trump, as we should call you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Anyways, all right, Gabe, well, we certainly appreciate you taking time out, and uh, we'll see you back here next week, buddy. Uh, always a pleasure, guys. Look forward to it. And great all job. Right. Say what? Sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. 
just listen. Gabe was about ready to give us a compliment. Cut off. <laughs> oh mercy! Oh, no. Yeah, you know what? I'll. Ha- I'll... <laughs> you you would cut him off. Gabe, listen. If, Gabe, listen. If you want to complete, the, listen, Gabe. If you want to complete that great thought and you want to complete that that great compliment, please uh, leave us on leave it on Twitter or Facebook. <laughs> Hey Mike, hold, hold on. I I got him back. Here's what he had to say. Gabe, Mike decided to cut you off. What were you gonna say? Am I live back on? You know, I just get slammed down. No, I was going to say, guys. I just wanted to tell you uh, on air that uh, great job with the uh, Sam McKee show on Tuesday night, and really kudos. I, I heard a lot of feedback throughout the industry, and we all really appreciate you guys putting that together. And just wanted to uh, tell you, well done. All right, Gabe. We certainly appreciate it. Don't listen. Just ignore Mike and his uh, his uh, X button. Okay, I'm going to take it away from him next week. I am finished talking now, so it is perfectly <laughs> fine. Slam the phone down. All right, Gabe. See you next week, buddy. <laughs> we are so mean to him, aren't we? Yeah, we are. But listen, I just picked up the phone and called him. It was just that easy. So, anyway, all right. Our good friend Steve Oldford is on deck. Uh, He is running for one of the USTA positions coming up at the end of February. And this all preludes to our USTA presidential debate coming up next week. You've got Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. The New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program places retired racehorses into approved monitored homes and transitions them into second careers. New Vocations has placed over 350 retired standard breads the past three years. They are now accepting horses from all racetracks in the United States. New Vocations has facilities in Ohio, Kentucky, and Pennsylvania and is expanding to New York. To learn more, visit newvocations.org and on Facebook at New Vocations. Racehorse Adoption Program. Here at The Stable, our mission is to provide fair market for owners of yearlings while giving investors the most informative way to purchase all of or part of a horse. The Stable will cater to all budgets by having an open fractional buying market and a flat rate billing system. At the stable, we aim to minimize the risk in buying and maximize the benefit of selling. Visit thestable.ca or give Anthony McDonald a call at 519-400-4263. That's 519-400-4263. It's thestable.ca. Hi, this is Mike Tanner, Executive Vice President of the United States Trotting Association. Five candidates have filed to run for the position of USTA President. The election will take place later this month, and the winner will serve out the remaining two years of former President Phil Langley's term. Here's what you need to know. First, the President is elected by a vote of the USTA Board of Directors, and there are 60 people on the board. Secondly, the election will take place during the Association's annual meeting, specifically on Monday, February 27th. The winner will be the one who gets the most votes, whether a majority is achieved or not, in a five-way race that's important to remember. The position of USTA president is an unpaid one, but the influence and involvement that comes with the job is considerable. The president works with the board to establish a business plan, develops consensus around various industry initiatives, has ultimate authority over membership decisions, and sets the tone for the organization. He or she also is responsible for assigning most of the executive committee, 
a small, select group of USDA directors that meets periodically and on an as-needed basis throughout the year to consider developing issues that might affect the industry. Whoever the board chooses on February 27th will largely determine the direction the USTA takes over the next few years. The USTA staff and I look forward to working closely with the new president as soon as he takes office. Thank you very much, Mike Tanner, Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter, back on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Right now, we're joined by USTA District 2 Director Steve Oldford. Steve, welcome to the program, my friend. Thank you uh, to have me back again, gentlemen. It, it is uh, truly a pleasure. Steve, before we get down to uh, business, uh, I want to talk a little bit about my old boss for 10 years and certainly a great loss to the harness racing industry. Uh, passing away earlier this year, Ken Marshall was a longtime director at District 2, was the uh, longtime race secretary at Hazel Park, director of racing, and he was the director of racetrack operations towards the end there. Uh, Steve, just uh, can you share a couple of thoughts about uh, our good friend Kenny? Well, I'll tell you, you know, it, it's a very, very uh, sad and tragic loss. Uh, he, he was, he so invigorated the industry, even after uh, Hazel Park uh, lost or gave up the, uh, the standard bread, uh, uh, you know, Kenny remained passionate about standard breads and, and to the point where he offered to resign his position with the USTA and the chairmanship for our district, of which uh, we as directors turned him down on that point and asked him to stay on. Uh, he served with diligence and, and a, a very positive attitude. And, and on a personal note, uh, he gave me a, an opportunity to start, uh, and you remember Mike Gabasich, the amateur driving club at Hazel Park, which had never yep. been done before. And, and, and he took the risk with us, and we put on a great product for him, and, and, uh, and he and I became good friends. Uh, some people thought he, he was uh, a little bit crusty, and he could be, and I think that goes with the nature of the job. But uh, truly, uh, uh, he, he is missed and, and will be missed in the future. Yeah, Steve, uh, for those of you who, or for those of the people who listen to our show, who may not have heard your first interview with us, uh, and who may not know you, uh, talk to us a little bit about who you are and how you got started in the business. Oh, thank you. I started a very, very long time ago. I won't tell you how many years. When I was a, a young lad, uh, my dad bought uh, a half interest in a racehorse. Actually, they raced at Hazel Park, and I have fond memories uh, as a very young lad of going to Hazel Park on Friday night. Phillies mare open trot. The horse would win. We'd get our picture taken. Uh, the, the, everybody was happy, and, of course, that led to, to uh, more horses. And by the time I was 12 or 13, I was actually jogging them, and by the time I was 16, I was itching to get my license to actually go out and race, which I did, and uh, raced at the fairs in Michigan. Back then, the fair program was pretty lucrative, and, and I, I kind of stuck with it and, and uh, got through college and joined the family business uh, and switched over to uh, brood mares and colts. I did that for a very long time because I cut a deal with my wife. She thought I was going to kill myself racing, of which I've tried that a few times. And uh, so after 25 years, I got back in the bike in 06. And, and uh, after campaigning Grand Circuit horses and, and uh, raising mares and colts and having my kids involved and started racing again. And uh, I get about 80 races a year. Uh, and, uh, and the amateur racing circuit uh, has been very, very good to me. I've been able to represent the United States in places like Italy and Finland and Spain and, and uh, uh, New Zealand. So uh, uh, having a great time. I, I joined the USTA, uh, I think, six years ago and uh, as a director. And uh, since that time, uh, became a trustee in the museum. So, you know, there, it's time to give back uh, to the, to the, the, the uh, 
the horse industry that has been so darn good to me. Steve Old for joining us. He is uh, running for uh, vice chairman of the board uh, for the United States Trotting Association. Steve, uh, we're all very familiar with, uh, or at least the both of us, uh, probably more than anybody are familiar with the state of affairs in Michigan. And I guess that could be the same could be said for Illinois and really all tracks uh, that are dealing with the uh, the uh, fact that uh, there's expanded gaming for some and there's expanded gaming not for some. And obviously the jurisdictions that don't have expanded gaming are uh, certainly struggling. What do you think we can do, Steve, or what do you think the USTA can do uh, in its uh, fairly limited role, I guess you could say, but what do you think the USTA can do perhaps to uh, maybe level the playing field or give some of these tracks that or some of these states rather that don't have expanded gaming uh, to compete on a little bit more of a level playing field with the states that do. I think number one is, is within the various factions uh, of the industries to create unity. Uh, that, that is very, very important. And, and by that, I mean, you know, the, the, the leadership of the USTA at, at all levels with, with all of its uh, different connections need to join together the tracks, the casinos, the breeders, the horsemen's group, you know, the, and, in, and in certain uh, instances, uh, the government institutions, and, and, and work to get everybody on the same page rather than, uh, as, as I see it today, the, the USDA does not have a very strong influence on, on each of these groups. There, there's not a cohesive plan, uh, if you will, put in place uh, that, that will bring these groups uh, together, uh, even if it's at the, as I like to say, a 30,000 foot level to get some basic uh, ideas and strategies in place um, that, that can help places like, like Michigan, you know, with, with maybe putting uh, certain races there that, that, that are going to help the betters uh, cr- create race cards that, uh, that will enhance and, and promote uh, racing uh, both at, at all levels, at ownership level, uh, at the breeding level, you know, and certainly to, to entice uh, the betters, which has been everybody's challenge for, for a very, very long time. Steve, reading over your uh, profile in your uh, format on uh, the USTrotting.com, and by the way, for anybody that wants to check that out, all the uh, candidates' platforms are on the USTA website, so check that out at USTrotting.com. But you mentioned about making the USTA Executive Committee uh, strong and decisive. Uh, How do you think we can do that? How how, – what would you like to see maybe changed in that Executive Committee to make them more strong and decisive? It, it, it starts with the with the president of, of the USDA, and I, I make no qualms. The, the reason that I'm running for vice chairman uh, is is uh, I'm, I'm actively promoting Joe Panaccio for president. Uh, I recruited him when Jay Sears resigned uh, uh, his spot as a director from Florida. Uh, I've known Joe for for uh, basically 10 or 12 years now, and, and I, I don't see any finer guy out there than Joe Panaccio to be the president. I want to serve on his executive committee. You know, the platform that, that we've laid out uh, for, for the various uh, areas in which the USDA needs to become more influential, uh, number one is, is with the team that's in place to make it happen. Uh, the, the, and again, no criticism to the current team, but, the, you know, as, as Mike Tanner uh, pointed out in the, in the opening uh, comments, it, it meets on an as-needed basis. And, and generally speaking, I've, I've phoned in to, to listen to those. It's, it's it kind of in a reactive mode. They're meeting to, to, to react to a situation that's out there, albeit I think they do a very, very good job with that. 
And what we want to do is get ahead of it. And, and let's, let's get the groups together and on a proactive basis, uh, meet by phone, by person, whatever, regularly to, to bring, you know, the important things that are out there, which is to, to be able to bring the casinos, the, uh, the, the tracks, the horsemen's group, you know, the breeders. We need the breeders to breed more. We need the betters to bet, and we need the tracks and, uh, and the casinos and the horsemen to get along better. And, and I think by, by creating a, a cohesive executive committee where everybody has tasks, has deliverables, uh, that, uh, that, that we can put the USTA uh, in, in a position of, of stronger leadership uh, in the industry overall and, and, uh, and, and move it forward. Steve, one of the things uh, that Joe has done a great job down in Florida is, uh, you know, decoupling has been an issue down there for the last couple of years. And Joe and the Florida Horsemen's Association has done a great job of avoiding that bullet. A lot of people think around the industry that uh, decoupling will be rearing its ugly head over the next couple of years. And a lot of people think that that could be the atomic bomb that ends harness racing. Do you believe that there is a way that harness racing can survive the coupling. Absolutely. And, and, and it starts with, and I worked with Joe in Florida uh, on, on his campaign and their campaign uh, to, to a, a, at least stall the decoupling for now. And, and when, you, when you look at the work uh, of which a lot of the, the Florida activities was patterned from the work that has been done uh, in, in New York, you know, New York is, it is probably got the, the, the most solid, uh, harness racing uh, uh, kind of relationship, if you will, from a track standpoint, you know, in, in creating the unity that, that I would like to see taken uh, nationally. And, and the, you know, the, uh, the, the, the purses that they're going for are Yonkers. I mean, every horseman on the planet wants to race a Yonkers right now. And, and, and that is in, in large part because of the work that was done by the, the um, uh, New York Horsemen's Organization and, and they've, they've got the, the, the government side of it, they've got the track side of it, and, and the horseman side of it. And, and they brought it together. And, and, and I think that could be the model nationally. And then, you know, just, just picture that and take it and expand it and then bring in the tracks from, like Michigan, where I live, uh, the, you know, the have-not states. And maybe there's, there's a way to, to influence the legislatures and others to bring in alternate gaming. Michigan recently, after a very, very long, bitter struggle with, with the legislator, got some additional uh, leeway and, and a little bit of solitude so that we're going to raise 50 or 60 nights this next year. I, I don't think that's enough, and I think that there's a lot more. And if you have a national organization with a solid platform behind it, I think these things can happen. Steve, one final question before we let you go. 45 seconds or less. Uh, or less. Why should the directors of the USTA pull your lever come the end of February? Well, I think that I bring a lot of experience at all fronts. And, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm working uh, and campaigning arm-in-arm arm with Joe Panaccio. And he and I are not beholden to breeding farms, r- racetracks, casinos, uh, uh, and specifically horsemen's, special interest horsemen's group. You know, we're out there to represent the industry a, 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 as a whole, and, and, and I think we can bring that, that in a balanced, organized positive, go-forward manner. And, and I, I would appreciate a, a vote for me and a, uh, and a vote for Joe P. Steve, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, very good stuff, my friend. Good luck come the end of February. Very good. Thank you. Call on me anytime. All right. That was Steve Oldford. He is running for uh, vice chairman of the board for the uh, USTA. A lot of good points, Mike. Obviously, uh, Steve is, is from Michigan, a state that 
Uh, he's never really uh, had expanded gaming. I know they were close a few times, but have never really got uh, the support uh, or something has broken down one way or the other. I mean, I remember back in 2004, Mike, they had the support of the House, had the votes of the House, had the votes of the Senate, and then uh, the governor was the – and that was a very weird situation. But Governor Jennifer Granholm at the time, uh, who was in the Obama administration, I believe now, uh, really, really put the brakes to that, and uh, they've never been able to get on solid footing as far as getting expanded gaming since then. But, uh, you know, he's from one of those states, and Gabe Wan's from one of them states as well. So, you know, it certainly gives them candidates, Mike, I would believe, a very, very good knowledge of what's going on and as far as uh, those states that don't have expanded gaming, Mike. Yeah, you know, and they have the experience to, uh, you know, kind of guide us through if, you know, decoupling does happen. You know, they've had to deal with it without, excuse me, right. without it for so long that they could potentially help to lead us if for whatever reason uh, expanded gaming goes away. All right, Mike, we're going to take one more commercial break. We're going to come back and wrap things up on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a disqualification. It doesn't get much worse than picking a winner that ends up being disqualified after the race. What if you could eliminate the stress of sweating out a steward's inquiry? At BetAmerica, we're here to help. Introducing Inquiry Relief. Any winners of a graded stakes race will get paid out even if they are disqualified after a steward's inquiry. Check BetAmerica.com for details and side effects. Get the relief you deserve with Inquiry Relief only at BetAmerica.com. Embroidery Unlimited is a premier provider of quality embroidery, screen printing, and promotional products. Our commitment to quality and pride in our work is second to none. We focus on quality and customer service. For all of your stable or business needs, Embroidery Unlimited is the number one provider in harness racing. Give Jim Winsky a call at 508-485-5522. That's 508-485-5522. Or visit them on the internet at EmbroideryUNL.com. That's EmbroideryUNL.com. Embroidery Unlimited. on post time with Mike and Mike and it's only Mike Carter here. Uh, Mike Bozich has lost connection. Uh, he just sent me a message letting me know that he is no longer connected to the show. So I'm going to close this bad boy out. Mike, can you hear me? Now I saw his microphone change from the headphones to the microphone. So uh, uh, unfortunately we've lost Mike Bozich, but real quick, we want to talk about the race coming up at Vincennes racetrack coming up on Sunday. We will have a show for the Prix de France featuring bold Eagle and it comes on at about nine 30. And I was going to talk to Mike a little bit about um, a little bit about this race, but bold Eagle is coming in off three straight victories driver Frank Navard looking for the second straight victory in the Prix de France you have up and quick in this race Lionel who upset Bold Eagle in the Prix de Paris last year uh, gets post number three Tomoku from post six you have Wild Honey we all remember that horse from post eight Orhan Gilstrom will drive propulsion from race number 11 or excuse me from post number 11 and I think a mech of Haripare 
is going to have the best shot uh, to defeat Bold Eagle starting from post number nine. We will begin our show at approximately 9.30 on Sunday. Make sure you're joining us for the American Race Call. Yours truly will be calling the second leg of the French Triple Crown. I've got some studying to do as the uh, some of the names are a little bit difficult but uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. Well, folks, for Mike Bozich, I'm a Mike Carter. We thank everybody who came on the program today. We will see you on Sunday with a first post of 930. We'll have about an hour show, and then we'll be back next Thursday for the USTA presidential debate at 730. Good afternoon and good night, everybody. Closing time, turn all of the lights on over every boy and every girl. Closing time, one last call for alcohol, so finish your whiskey or beer. Closing time, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. No!